And so on June the 12th of 2010, I was at my home in the process of making some meth and the liquid caught fire and it exploded on me. And uh, I ran out of the bathroom and I kicked, uh, I put my hands in the air and I'm yelling, put me out. And my wife is, uh, she's just in a state of shock. And so she's yelling, stop, drop and roll. And that, that didn't work when you're on fire. And so I kicked the front door open and I fall down on the porch and I get up off the porch and it pulls a big string. I pull my shirt off and it pulled a big string of skin off with it. I got to the hospital and I cried. I went inside and I cried, help me, help me. And then I collapsed on the floor. Later on, I don't remember anything after that, but they would call my family into the room and they'd tell them that I wasn't going to make it through the night. All right, Scott, appreciate you coming on today. So uh, I understand you are the Fordo campus pastor for Liberty Baptist. And I also understand you are over the Celebrate Recovery program. So I, I know Michael here already knows you quite well, but I don't know much about the program. I'm not sure why you're the guy who started the program or is running it. So fill me in. What do we got going on? Okay, so Celebrate Recovery is a cross-centered 12-step program. We help people with their hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And, uh, you know... That's about every one of us. I mean, you can't sure. go through life without being hurt mm. or having a habit or a hang up. And so, I mean, we all fit in that box. Um, and our program just helps people walk through life. None of us are claim to have it all together. None of us claim to be able to fix it, but we know that Jesus can. Sure. And so we, we uh, help people walk through life together. And uh, so we've, um, we've just saw God uh, do tremendous uh, worked through that program over the last nine years. And uh, we're about to celebrate nine years mm -hmm. um, for Celebrate Recovery. Awesome. What date does that happen? July the 28th. And so how long have you been involved? I have been involved in Celebrate Recovery for eight years. So can you tell me a little bit, like what would someone expect if they were to be a part of Celebrate Recovery? First thing that you would see is you would see smiling faces that would greet you and um, make you welcome. And they would point you towards a really good meal. Uh, and so we eat really good at Celebrate Recovery. Thank you. Um, and so that would be the first thing that you would experience. Uh, and through that experience, through the mealtime, you would experience fellowship and uh, get to know people. And uh, so then we have a large group session where we have worship. And then from week to week, we have either a lesson or a testimony. So there's 25 lessons mm -hmm. and we teach those. And so the large group portion of that is really it's meant to draw you into the small groups because that's where really the healing happens. Right. And so um, we get you involved, we draw you in and, uh, and then you get in the small groups and man, I've made um, friends that uh, I would literally charge hell with a water pistol for <laughs> through those small groups because I like that. I've, I've, I've poured out my life with them. Right. I've, I've shared, you know, all of my hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and they know all of them, and I know all of theirs. Yeah, and there's so, a there's a intimacy there when, yeah, you, when you lay yeah. it all out there like that. I've made some really good friends through sitting in a 12-step together uh, for a, a year-long process, and you grow really close to some people. These hurts, habits, and hang-ups, can you, I mean, we can, I'm sure a lot of people might assume, you know, drugs is an yeah. easy go-to, but what other sort of issues are people coming to the program with grief, depression, anger, um, eating disorders, um, 
just, I mean, just about anything. I mean, anything you can think of that um, causes your life to be difficult or um, a place that you go to find comfort that is really bad for your life. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that, I mean, that could be, I could turn to Facebook if, and that bring me pleasure in my life. And you don't realize that that's robbing you of time with your family, time with your children, sure. and it can become an addiction. And, and I have literally seen people that come into our program that they would literally go anxiety crazy because they didn't have a device in their hand. I think that's probably a lot of people yeah. nowadays, honestly. Most of them are in that denial stage that he was talking about earlier. <laughs> it's like, no, I've got a handle on it. No, yeah. I'm good. I yeah. mean, that's the typical response from someone who's an alcoholic that doesn't realize they're an alcoholic. Yes, right? yes. Same response can be gambling, can be social media addiction, can be whatever. Mm -hmm. you know? In your experience, how long do you would you say it usually takes someone to kind of get through that denial period? Denial is a tricky thing because, I mean, as you walk through the steps, you you constantly keep an eye, you're constantly working these steps. And so as you work these steps, you work back through them to make sure that denial doesn't creep back into your life. Because what happens usually is, is that when I begin to break free from the hurt habit or hang up or whatever the issue is in my life, and I begin to see some freedom from that, mm -hmm. um, I get to a place to where I'm comfortable and I stopped doing the things that got me to where I am. A couple of really good examples of that for like just the common thing that we could all understand is that person who goes to the gym for two weeks, gets past that little soreness stage. They're feeling good about themselves. The scale looks a little better. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, ah, I can have that extra coffee today. Yes. Ah, I can eat that hot dog today. I've been doing good for two weeks. Yeah. That's the yeah. denial that you will forever fight. I mean, that's why these programs exist, and that's why there's a, a relationship, an ongoing relationship in these programs, especially one like yeah. Celebrate Recovery, that you you have people come alongside you and and help keep you in the guardrails, you know, because mm -hmm. it is so easy to just eat that hot dog when <laughs> you really should be focused on the fact that I have a problem with it and I need to not do that, right? And yeah. so the other thing that comes to mind is pride. Like for me, I deal with pride and that's one of my things that if I did go to celebrate recovery starting next week, I, I would be like, okay, I'm getting my chip because I'm wrestling with pride. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where you fight it, you feel good about it. And then there's just a little bit of something kind of creeps in the back door and you don't pay attention. Then you make a really stupid statement that is very prideful and you're like, Oh, <laughs> I didn't even mean to fall back into that. Right. Like, yeah, I didn't yeah. even mean to say it like that. No, you know what I thought you were going to say is, so, is the idea of in our world, in the real estate world where, you know, to be successful, you got to grind and stay on top of things. And once you get to a certain level, it is very easy to kind of, like you said, yeah. uh, you know, maybe I'll go do this other thing that's maybe not as productive as it should be. Yeah, this is a very good point. Yeah, if you're a if you're a pretty good agent, you might not do your lead generation that day because you're like, oh, I got a pretty full pipeline. I don't have to call people today. Exactly. Even though logically, you know, that's not the yeah. way to think. And but then it, you have a roller coaster. Then you have a great April and a terrible May, and yes. a great June and a terrible July. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think anybody can relate to that, honestly. Yeah, for sure. You made a statement about guardrails, and most of the people that come into our program, they, they live life without any kind of guardrails. Mm -hmm. They live painted lines, mm -hmm. and so we help them put those guardrails in their lives because guardrails let you know that there's danger there. Mm -hmm. And so I can bump up against that and not go over, but if I live my life on painted lines, there's there's nothing keeping me from going over the edge. So. Mm -hmm. 
um, that denial when it creeps back in and I don't have any guardrails, I'm, I'm done. So whenever someone new is coming into the program, do you have a story of your own that you, that you share with them to kind of connect? Oh yeah. I always share my story. Tell, tell us your story, Scott. I spent 13 years, um, in a meth addiction. And, uh, so you can imagine my lifestyle mm -hmm. and, uh, so really all of it started and, you know, my, both of my parents were addicts and so I really didn't get the love and attention that I wanted or needed at home. And so I began to seek that love and attention out in other people, places and things. And so the more that I would seek that out, trying to fill that void that was in my life, um, Satan would whisper in my ear and say, if you want them to love you or you want them to accept you, you do this and they will. And so I would end up more broken and with a, with a new addiction every time that I got in a relationship with somebody. Right. And so fast forward, um, my life is completely out of control. And uh, I began to get around some people that are doing some things that um, – really are extreme. So I started making methamphetamine. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I so I began to 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 do that and I put I kind of growed out of that phase for a little while. Uh, I met my wife at a drug dealer's house and um she became pregnant quick and um here I am looking to be loved and you'd think here God's given me the gift that I'm looking for. Mm -hmm that I would stop what I was doing. And I kind of did, but I continued to get high, stopped making meth. Um, and then, you know, I, our lives continue to get, just fall out of control. Mm -hmm. And so um, it wouldn't be long before we would get kicked out of where we were at. And um, we had lost, you know, all our stuff got thrown in a dumpster and set on fire. We didn't have anywhere to go. And so my mother-in-law and father-in-law, um, who are part of our church, been there for a long time, been praying for us. Um, they helped us. And so I would, I, they would invite us to a garage ministry where a bunch of kids that wouldn't go to church, they, they'd invite them there to hear the gospel and eat and all that good stuff. And so I would go and I'd give my life to Christ. And so I, I did good for about six months, but my addiction was like really strong. And so I relapsed. And when I relapsed, man, I started doing things that I said I'd never do. And so all day, all I thought about was getting high. And so I thought I had put making meth to death and that came back. And so on June the 12th of 2010, I was at my home in the process of making some meth and the liquid caught fire and exploded on me. And uh, I ran out of the bathroom and I kicked. Uh, I put my hands in the air and I'm yelling, put me out. And my wife is, uh, she's just in a state of shock. And so I'm sure she's yelling, stop, drop and roll. And that, that didn't work when you're on fire. <laughs> and so I kick the front door open and I fall down on the porch and I get up off the porch and it pulls a big string. I pull my shirt off and it pulled a big string of skin off with it. And uh, I knew that I was hurt real bad, but I went back in the house and helped my wife clean up what I was doing put out the fire and I told her to take me to the hospital. And, um, so when I got in the car, just the pain of the burns became unbearable. Mm -hmm. And so I told her to turn on the emergency flashers and run the red lights and the stop signs. And 
I got to the hospital and I cried. I went inside and I cried, help me, help me. And then I collapsed on the floor. Wow. And so later on, I, I don't remember anything after that, but they would call my family into the room and they'd tell them that I wasn't going to make it through the night. Hmm. And uh, so they had me airlifted to Atlanta. And so I would spend about 18 days in a coma wow. and I would stay about two months on life support. And, uh, man, when I woke up, it was like, here's my second chance. Oh yeah. And, and God was just doing something in my heart. And, uh, it was a long, it was a long recovery. Now I weighed up about 129 pounds when I came out of the hospital. I had to learn how to walk again. Oh yeah. Um, I was a shell of a man. Mm-hmm. So and this was months long. This were yes, this, um, more than months long. It was oh, years. It it, t- it took me about a year and a half to get back to where I could even cut the grass. It, it was that bad. Wow. And so, um, but it was through a process of, you know, getting going to church, getting around the right people, and uh, God just began to change my life through putting the right people in my life. So once you were physically able and, and better and getting around and everything, is is that kind of the direction you took? Like you started getting into church consistently. Oh, yeah. And, and that's Yeah, before I could they they before I could even walk, they wheeled me into the church the first time that I could go. Really really what's interesting is is yeah, I'm I, it's a miracle that I'm alive, but as I look back and as I've been faithful to share my story, um so I began to share my story, and uh, so I got invited to a church where I I grew up right beside this church. Man, I, when I was a kid, I played in the creek. I played in the parking lot. I mean, I mean, never went to the church, but but I mean, it was like from here to the wall from my house. I mean, it's just like the church is right there. Mm-hmm. And so I got invited to share my testimony, and so I go, and I begin to share, and there's a lady— and she's about three rows back on the left, and she just begins to cry. And she says, when it's over with, she came up to me and she said, you got burned in the bathroom, didn't you? I said, yes, ma'am, I did. Never met this woman. Mm. And uh, she said, I was at your house the night you got burnt. Mm. My wife had called a friend of ours to come and clean up our house, mm. and he brought a lady with him. And God placed her in the middle of my mess, so that six years later, she could see the power of God and change life. Wow. And she said, I still struggle. And I give her a mustard seed. Mm-hmm. And I told her that anytime she felt like that her mountain was too big for her, just to remind that mountain how big her God is. And uh, I don't know where the lady's at, but I know the seed was planted. And I could I could tell you story after story where I've looked back at my life and I've just saw God in all the details of bringing me from death to life. It's an incredible story. So if somebody wanted to um, either be a part of Celebrate Recovery or help Celebrate Recovery in some way or some path, how do they how do they get plugged in? So you can show up on Thursday nights at Celebrate Recovery, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll put you to work. You you don't have to have any skills. You can smile and face, and I'll put a bulletin in your hand, or you can sit at a table and write a name, write people's names, and tell, mm-hmm. and just smile at them. Um, 
you can um, hand out chips. Uh, we we celebrate uh, every milestone in recovery from the blue chip to mm-hmm. multiple years, and so you can come and be a smiling face and hand out chips. Um, you can also um, we have a golf tournament every year, and so you can be a part of that. October the fourteenth, um, we're going to have a golf tournament this year, and you can get involved in that. We'll have um, we'll have a uh, link on our webpage that you can um, sign up. It'll be at libertybaptistchurch.ws, okay. and uh, so we'll put the link in the show notes too, so that people can get to it from here. Um, so if I want my one day chip and I say, okay, I'm ready to get rid of this hurt habit, hang up, whatever it might be. I just show up on Thursday night at six and you'll take it from there, huh? Yep. Just show up, just bring you and a willing heart. I will also say that, um, when we were talking about the structure of what happens on Thursday night and how you get plugged in, there is definitely a way to get there without being fully committed because a lot of people will hear this one year thing and they're like whoa i'm out right it's it's not just that you can come any thursday night you want there's no commitment you come to this six o'clock meal we hang out go to the large service at seven right Mm -hmm. so from seven to seven forty five or so you go to the large service you worship you hear a either a great testimony or you hear a sermon or whatever then they break into small groups. If you're not quite ready for that small group yet, that's okay. You don't have to go down to the small group. You can walk out in the parking lot, get in your car and leave. And yeah. that's okay. Um, but at some point you will likely want to see a transformation in your life. And that transformation happens in those small groups. Yeah. It's good to come to the meeting. It's good to have a meal with fellow believers, all that kind of stuff. But if you really want to see a change, it's in those small groups where you really have life together that's where you really have those conversations that are just hard to have you know yeah i was gonna ask i imagine a lot of people are you know interested but maybe want to have one foot in non-committed yeah yeah yeah, (laughs) non-committed so i'm imagining like well would it be okay if somebody just wanted to go and sit in the corner and like kind of just observe for a minute yeah Yeah. i imagine that's got to be most people i see people all the time that go there and will sit in the corner like you're talking about and on the third trip or the fourth trip, that's when they go get that one-day pin, that one-day yeah. chip. They're like, okay, I'm ready to get started. Yeah. Yeah. They'll get that one-day chip. And at that point, you're saying, okay, I'm going to make a change in my life. That's when you go to the small group and you really start getting to plug in and and you try to work on that hurt habit or hang-up. Mm-hmm. And it's not a – unfortunately, as most people understand, it's not a one-day thing. It's yeah. not a one-week thing. It's a lifetime commitment of living your life differently than you lived it before. You know, I was thinking about um, something on the way over here. And so the last the last step is, the last principle is yield myself to God, to be used to bring this good news to others, both by my example and by my words. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't have any words, was my life, an example for somebody to follow. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus left us the greatest example to follow. And so as, as, as I live my life, I want it to reflect him. And so it's being open and willing to say, Hey, I know where you're at and I want to help you and just walk through life with people. Awesome. So we mentioned uh, the Liberty Baptist website has good info, um, as well as how to sign up for the golf tournament. But if someone wants to reach out to you directly, what's the best way to do that? 
you can my i mean my personal numbers on everything uh, you can contact me at 706-229-2487 or you can email me at scott at libertybaptistchurch.ws awesome well i think we have pretty much knocked it all out so scott i appreciate you coming on oh thank you guys for having me thanks for sharing the story again yep awesome signing off <laughs>